Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to You've Championed Yourself. Who are you? I'm Chris Ferguson, your host, and it's always been a dream of mine to showcase people who have taken their dreams, their ideas, everything they wanted to do in life and put action behind it. They didn't know where it was going to go. They didn't know how it was going to happen. They just trusted. They pushed past all their traumas, all their pains, everything that they most people would define themselves by. They are the few that got through their obstacles and their challenges. Again, they trusted themselves enough not, not to give up, to do the follow through in their personal life, their career and in relationships. This is what I call a champion. Today, I have an amazing, amazing person coming on. Um, I actually, he doesn't know this, but he's one of my favorite people on the planet. His name's Corey Poirier and let's bring him in. Good morning, Corey. Hello, Chris. Thank you so much. You've already made my day, and and uh, we we've been on for less than thirty seconds. So thank you. <laughs> well, I am honored. I am truly honored and excited to have you here. We've we've collaborated on many things between us. I've been a student of yours. I want everybody to know that this is the depth that I know you at, and trust you. And so I am honored to have you on my podcast to be able to share this message with the world. And being in law enforcement for all these years, I've seen what people do to other people. And it's not always good. Mm -hmm. And so I wanted to showcase the ordinary people that are doing amazing things in the world to make it better for other people and for themselves and not defining them from their background mm -hmm. or their lifestyle or where they came from. So yeah. I'd like to talk to you this morning about your backstory. I'm happy to. And. And I, I will say, even before we jump into it, that I wasn't the person who had the yearbook that said likely to succeed, let alone most likely to succeed. So uh, so my background definitely isn't reflective of who I am today. And I always say it's not where you start that matters, it's what you do next. I agree. Many people have a background and they don't realize at some point in their life, there was that time that they switched the flip up, uh, they turn the light on and said, this is not me. It's I'm not going to let this define me. Mm -hmm. What was that point for you? You know, so I, I'm going to say probably a different answer than most people. I'm going to say it was almost from early on. Like, in other words, as I was going through the stuff as a child, and, and of course we can, you know, talk to that. And I say going through the stuff, I mean, I just, things like I was raised by a single mother. We did have, not for a long stretch, but we did have periods where we didn't know where supper was going to come from. Uh, you know, she had to work two weeks overtime to buy me a winter coat. Like it wasn't financially, you know, we weren't flourishing at certain times. And, but at the same time, because I had a champion in my corner, being my mother, because she had always kind of been there to catch my fly ball, if you will, to use a metaphor, I don't, think it was, I don't think I'd let what was happening define me at any point. Like, in other words, I, I never really thought, okay, this is all my life is going to be. You know, I know some people think like, is there anything more to life or anything? I never thought of it that way. I guess what I'm getting at is I always felt we were wealthy, even though we didn't necessarily have a lot of money. And I'm reading a book right now called Happy Money. And the author talks about how if your money in your wallet, you know, again, it's sort of a metaphor these days because most of us don't carry money in our wallet, but <laughs> if the money in your wallet was gained by serving others, by delivering on your purpose, if you enjoy what you do, then chances are it's happy money. 
And, you know, he makes the case that you could have a lot less money than somebody else. But if it's happy money, you still could be happier and technically wealthier, not richer, but financially, but wealthier. And so, you know, the long, short answer, Chris, is that I think I always felt that I had something that other people didn't, which was a supporter in my corner, a champion in my corner. And so, yeah, so I don't think I ever let it define me, but it's just that as I started achieving certain things that I would have thought probably unlikely for mm -hmm. my background, then each time one of those happened, it was like, A, my comfort zone grew, and B, my belief in what was actually possible and what I could achieve grew. So it was like, it was changing as it went, but I never sort of said, uh, this is going to define me. Where a lot of people do, they do allow their past to define them. They do allow their past to hold them back or become a barrier or a block in their life. Was there ever a point that you realized in your life that I can do anything? I still don't know if I think I can do anything. And, and this is an interesting topic because I do, I am a believer in the, the phrase that anything is possible if you set your mind to it. And if you go all in and in, in some cases, if you practice the 10,000 hour rule, if you put in the time, you know, I do believe for the most part, anything is possible, but I also think sometimes we also should be realistic. So should we uh, you know, reach for the stars or dream big? Yes. And it's no, take no more work to dream big than it does dream small. However, there are slight exceptions to the rule. And so what do I mean? The odds of me playing in the NBA at almost 50 and five foot seven, I, I mean, they would be a million to one, like 10 million to one, maybe a billion to one. So is it possible? Anything's possible. Is it in any way probable or likely? Probably not. And so what I, what I, why I bring that up is because I hear a lot of people will say, my goal is to, I'll just do a weird random example. My goal is to create a billion billionaires in the next two years. Mm -hmm. So is that impossible? Well, nobody's ever done it, we, but we can't say it's impossible. However, it's probably unlikely. So my point is why not, even though you're dreaming big, why not make it a realistic goal as well? Is that, is that a fair way to say that? Because I just... It, it well, is. It like, is. It's just... It's, says, I want to reach a billion people in the next year. And mm -hmm. so far, I haven't seen one do it. So it's not that I would ever say to somebody... Here, here she is. Here she is. I'll just I'll just claim it right now. Here she is. Right. Okay. But, do you see the, but the fact is, is that it's just like it and me, when I came to Tennessee, moved from Florida, I had to get post-certified here in Tennessee. I was 60 years old, Corey. I went through the police academy. I accomplished everything. I outran 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds, 40-year-olds. Did I ever doubt myself and think, is this, uh, could this not be possible? No. I was just like, no, I'm doing this. It was an absolute mindset. So when I say when somebody, I can do anything, it's whatever I put my mindset to. So I think I should have defined the question a little bit better because yeah. I think an individual, when they put their mind to something, they can do anything with it because it's what they put their focus on. Yes, correct. And whenever, and that's why I, I this it's, it's, it's an area that is a tough one to explore because whenever I say it, it may even come out or cross wrong. I think that 90%, 95% of what people envision they could achieve if they put their mind to it. I think what I guess I'm getting at is I think there's, some there's some absolutes that are as close to impossible as can be for instance i could put my i'll give you an example that we can probably back up i could put my mind for the next year 
to me going out from my parking lot and flying up to the moon without anything, just my, just my ability. As a Have you ever heard of astro traveling, Corey? It's possible. <laughs> no, but my physical body with me okay. leaving the ground and everybody watching my physical body go up to the moon and coming back down. It's probably pretty unlikely. Now, right. is it impossible? I, I, I understand what you're saying. I, I absolutely do. But, but there's a difference between that and us saying that, what was it, the one minute mile years ago mm -hmm. that got broken? Uh, us, or was it one minute or four minute? I can't remember. But mm -hmm. whatever it was, we said that was impossible until somebody did it. And then within the next year, seven people did. It. But nobody yeah. could do it forever. So I do believe that's a mindset thing. But I guess my point is, and, and we don't have to go for, far down this rabbit hole, but my point is, I do think there's also the side of if we're somewhat slightly realistic within mm -hmm. what's possible, then I think it makes it more probable. I don't know if that makes sense, but it's just it, like, it does. It does. Because the thing is, is when people, I like to get people away from saying, Oh, I'm 60 years old. I can't do that. Or I shouldn't do that. Why not? Why not do it? Why limit yourself? Absolutely. And so I think that's why when I say anybody can do anything, it's what they focus on. So I did love your answer, but I want to add, talk to you about being a TEDx speaker. Most people mm -hmm. on my show don't know that, that you are a multiple, multiple, I mean, five, six, seven times TEDx speaker, which is amazing. So, uh, so as far as that, I mean, because uh, there's a couple of directions I could go from there. So first of all, thank you so much. Uh, it, it's one of those things that I feel like people told me or whether they told me, some told me and some I could see it whenever I told them. You know, when I said, um, you know, I, have you heard about TEDx? Well, I want to I want to deliver a TEDx talk or a TED talk. And I know there's some people that said, well, you're not going to be able to. Sorry. Good luck. But you're not going <laughs> to happen. And so going back to the, you know, that point is that whenever I landed the first one, I went into it not thinking I could, it could I couldn't do it. I actually went into it. And in fact, I had a unique situation with the first one that I went into it. And I what happened was uh, I saw they were looking at this individual TEDx organized event and I reached out and basically by the time I reached out they were the deadline had gone for submitting and they had already filled the spots so you know I I thought well again the likelihood of me speaking at that one's pretty low but at the same time you know I might as well provide them with info and stuff to help uh, for the next time maybe I'll be the first one they think of and so I said is it okay if I send along what I would have sent you and send along a couple of sample videos, of me speaking and all that kind of stuff. And they said, oh yeah, sure, send it in. You know, we're always looking for great speakers. Long story short, they reached out to me about a week and a half, two weeks before the event and said, hey, one of the, I think it was nine, one of the nine speakers had to pull out because they're, it was actually to do with nervousness. They just said, I, I can't do it. Oh wow. So they decided to move on. And because the event, even though there were people that applied before me that had been passed over, because I was the one that was after, I was the only one that was front of mind and they liked my topic. And they, they said, instead of us starting over from scratch or going one by one through all the people, you're the most recent one we talked to, are you still interested? And so I ended up getting a TEDx spot like with two weeks or a week and a half notice because of the fact that I didn't think it was impossible. And I still reached out even when they said no initially, you know, and as we say, if you, if you don't ask, the answer is always no. But if you don't ask twice, the answer is still no. And so I basically uh, went into it thinking, if it's not this year, it'll be next. Now, the interesting thing, Chris, is that event, that was the last time they ever did a TEDx organized event. They only did wow. one year ever. So wow. they, I wouldn't have had it next year. 
There wouldn't have, with them at least, there wouldn't have been a next year. So, um, so even the TEDx thing, I went into it thinking, you know what? Nobody can tell me I can't land this talk. And then I've since gone on to land multiple. And what I did is the first one I did, I reverse engineered it to see what worked and what didn't. And then I tested it on the second one and I really dived in more and said, you know, this is why. And, and I, I've tested it. And, you know, I think that's why is I actually put in the hours to learn the process. Uh, but as far as delivering it, it's one of the most nervous talks you'll ever deliver in your life. And also it's a lot of people don't know this. You don't get paid to speak on a TEDx stage and you might even pay and you probably will pay to go there. Like if you're flying to the event or what have you, but it's the highest, typically the highest return talk you'll deliver at the lowest money you'll ever make from a talk in your life. So it's and it, but I don't see TED talks as, as one of those things that, um, I guess in my mind, it's the pinnacle of a speaking platform to be able to say, I'm a TEDx speaker, where so many other speakers get so afraid or they have these blocks and barriers in their mindset and they never apply. And they could be an amazing speaker, but they don't trust themselves enough and have the confidence in themselves to do it. So I love the fact that you said several people told me I couldn't do it, but you know what? I didn't listen to them and I stepped forward. Yeah. It, it, and it, I will say, I mean, I love to give credit to my mom because she's been such a big part of this, but I really credit her and my grandfather with being the two people that demonstrated that, you know, more action than speaking it. Uh, so for instance, my mother uh, didn't graduate high school, then went back and got her GEDs, but she built a, a really successful business career. Despite all that, uh, she mm -hmm. is bipolar and, and proudly, proudly shares that. And that didn't stop her. She had two nervous breakdowns while raising me when I was younger. That didn't stop her. So, and then on top of all that, she was my cheerleader. Like she was the one that says, oh, you can do that. Like whenever I started out playing music early in my life and said, I'm going to be a rock star. She was never the one that says that's not practical. Right. And now my grandfather, he said, uh, and he, he raised me more so than my father. He said, uh, I think you can be a rock star. He said, but at, while you're doing that, here's something you should do as well. So he was thinking <laughs> the practical side and, and he was right. Uh, but the reason I bring him up as well is my grandfather was a carpenter with a grade three education. Mm -hmm. And whenever I was seven years of age, he built a fiberglass space shuttle replica to size. Only one of six in the world with mm -hmm. a grade three education, not knowing how to read blueprints. Uh, not knowing how to read, actually. And so I watched him do that. And I remember there was um, an interview on the local station, local uh, news station, saying this ordinary carpenter with a bag of nails and a hammer. And I remember uh, yelling at the TV, he's no ordinary carpenter, he's my grandfather. <laughs> but as it turned out, he wasn't an ordinary person. Like to be able to do that. And by the way, to the day he died, if you asked him about that, if you found out he did it and said, do you build that, Eddie? He, he would turn red. He didn't want to talk about it. Like he was, and when I say that, it was because he was humble. It wasn't because right. he was embarrassed. Right. It was he was humble. But when he got talking about it, he got so much juice and energy from it. But what I'm getting at there, Chris, is to see him do that at seven years of age mm -hmm. takes away what's possible. Like he shouldn't have been able to, by all rights, build that mm -hmm. at all. He should, and the guy that commissioned him, who we still talk to, his name is Bart. Uh, we still talk to him all the time. Uh, he actually drew the shuttle on a cigarette package and said, there you go, Eddie, there's your blueprints and it's not to scale. <laughs> so all he had to work with was a picture that big and said, build something that looks like that. And he did it. And, and then he continued to do other things. He was offered a job teaching at uh, a college in carpentry. And the reason he didn't take it is he felt the kids would ask him stuff that he wouldn't know because he only had a grade three education. And he just mm -hmm. felt 
He didn't want to put himself into that. But the fact that he got offered that. So I seen those things at a young age. And then I watched my mother, as I mentioned, do some things that I thought were impossible. So they were great examples. And also they supported me as cheerleaders. That's what helped me go into all these things saying it's possible. Um, let's talk about the Blue Talk series, the books. And yeah. this is this is um, I'm I can say I'm part of three of the six that this the sixth one's coming out. The fifth one just came out. I just got mine in my fifth. See, I bought I bought the whole series. I not only the books that I'm in, but I bought the other books that I'm not in. So I have the series. Yes. I, I just since you said about the series. Yes, it is a series. And yes. they're amazing. And they're Absolutely. all different. these are all different here. I can't. Yeah. No, you're good. Control. You're good. Ah, there we go. Yeah. People can see the differences. Yeah. The, <laughs> so everyone's cool. different. Everyone's unique. And through that, I became an international bestseller. I'm part of book four, which thinkers360.com has picked as one of the 2021 influential books to read for the year, which is an amazing part of being able to add to your resume or to be able to add to your credentials. Yeah, absolutely. And I will say, I mean, if we if we want to dive into it as to the why behind Blue Talks, mm -hmm. what you just said is a big part of what drove Blue Talks in the first place. And I will say uh, the book has been international bestseller on Amazon. Now I'm actually tackling Barnes & Noble. And so the newest book, number five, uh, was the best I know of number two. I, I was going to say, I thought the last I saw was number two. I didn't, I haven't I, checked recently. I picked myself though, because it was in a category that doesn't show in Barnes and Noble unless you go to other categories. It's mm -hmm. still on those charts now, two weeks later. So I think it went to number one, but mm -hmm. I have no way to verify it. Right. So I think it's the number one, but let's say number two. Um, but, you know, Barnes and Noble is not a lot of people are Barnes and Noble's bestseller authors. And by the way, I'm going to be working to make you one as well, because I'm going to be doing that for all the books. But, but to go back to that point, why we created this was twofold. So on one hand, but it was always driven by people who want to become influencers and impact more lives. So at the end of the day, I feel that if it's like if you take care of uh, your, your employees, the customers will take care of themselves, meaning the employees will take care of the customers. I think it's the same with this. If you take care of the people involved, they'll take care of getting a powerful message out to the world. So yes, we're sharing a message with the world. Yes, we want readers. Yes, we want people watching our live talks and our videos and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, my core customer is the person that's writing the story or speaking on the stage. And so what you just said, you know, being an international bestselling author with us, this is, and, and being in a book that was listed as a must read book, all those kind of things are the reason why we launched this is I, when I started out my journey 20 plus years ago as a speaker, I had to kick, uh, fight and punch to get any media at all because 20 plus mm -hmm. years ago, it wasn't like today. There wasn't as many media options. And so what I wanted to do is I want to create something that when we work with people, they're able to say in maybe six months, I've done this, I've done this, I've done this, and it's on their bio. It allows them to find more clients. It allows them to perhaps have an as seen on banner on their website. It basically jumps the credibility up by three or four years. So for instance, if I take an example of somebody I talked about recently, Rosalind Fung, who's another person that's a part of the Blue Talks community. Rosalind spoke at us with, spoke with uh, for us and with us at Harvard University. She um, was in Blue Talks book number one. And she also, uh, because we have, uh, we always bring in big name thought leaders for our virtual stages. Uh, she was able to share the bill with Les Brown, Jack Canfield, Lisa Nichols, uh, Mark Victor Hansen. And so she said, Corey, in three months, I can say I spoke at Harvard, shared the bill with who I just mentioned, uh, was in a uh, number one best-selling book. Uh, 
And what she told me is she did a challenge after that. Uh, and she did, did these challenges ongoing. It's a free challenge. You can join up and follow her. Normally, I think she told me the numbers were like a thousand people would sign up for a challenge. This time, the next time she did it, it was 400 more. So it was 40% more, whatever the numbers were. Right. But then also her conversion was up by about 10% more. And then she did a testimonial recently where she said we helped her get to $30,000 a month for the first time ever. What I'm saying, Chris, is that's a, a case study of what we're trying to do, which is give people the ability to say they're a best-selling author, but not only say it, like to really be it and to have their story immortalized. So again, it's not just about the credentials. It's right. about you backing that up, but also uh, us getting your message out to the world. And so what you just said, that's exactly why we launched Boombox. It's because people were asking me for it and it didn't exist. You know, people are asking me for a spiritual style TEDx talk or uh, um, a very practical style chicken soup for the soul. So I've often joked and said, if you married the two of them uh, mm -hmm. and they had a baby, we'd be the baby. But that's <laughs> what people are asking me for. They said, we want something where you can help us get on the stage and the platform. You can do the work for us. And then we have the credibility later. But you also help us reach a bigger audience and you help us. If we have a spiritual message, we can even include a spiritual message in doing so. So that's Blue Talks in a big nutshell. Well, see, and it's also serving, serving others, Corey, and that when you do it from a heart space, it's going to come out amazing because it has all the right intentions in it. It's not about greed. It's not about power. It's not about control. It's not about money. It's about being of service. And when you do that, it is, it's, it's the heart and soul of it because that's why I started this podcast because it was divinely guided to me for, to give the average person citizen that most people don't know exists. It does so much for so many. This is why I was like, Corey, I'm trying to get you on my podcast, buddy. I'm trying to get you on my podcast and just basically bugged you to death to get you here. But that's, you know what? I love it. You're a busy guy and I appreciate you that you take the time, but I also want to talk about your influencer vault. Mm -hmm. which is another big program that you have on top of your teaching programs that you offer people. So I just want to cover your whole arena so that everybody knows that there's options out there because I was a published author back in 1983. I wrote a poem cops for people too. And who knew how relevant it would be in this day and age. Absolutely. And so it was published in the Wyoming peace officers association magazine. I still have a copy of it. It hasn't fallen apart. And the fact is, is it's just, I've been that poet all my life and you had the platform that could make my dreams come true to get published on a bigger area, on a bigger level. And for that, I'm eternally grateful. Oh, well, thank you so much. And if I can, and I'm happy to talk with the influencer vault too, of course, but if I can also add one more thing, Chris, something you just said, that was a big um uh, I'm going to say it was a transformational moment for me. And so when I think about something like that and it pops in my head, I'm always like the universe put it there to bring this up because I, I feel like if, if it helps one other person as a transformation, then uh, you know, that's what we're here for. And so for those that have read a book called think and grow rich and, or for those who haven't read a book called think and grow rich, if there's I think 13 laws to success that he teaches in the book, uh, the mastermind principle is one I have. My mastermind is what I have coming up right after our interview. And so I practice a lot of the principles and the mastermind has been, uh, I'm going to just say, invaluable. However, the one thing that I think it's missed in that book and it's what changed everything for me is the idea that he and, and he words it differently than this. The book is written in 1937. But right. the premise behind if you always strive to give more then you expect to receive in return mm -hmm. and add value in that way you'll you'll never 
have a shortage for people that want to be around you. And I'm paraphrasing this, but what I take from that is it's what you just said. Like if I can, and it doesn't have to be somebody in our blue talks community, but just mm -hmm. in general, somebody that I see is doing great things and working with, does it really take that much extra effort on my part to highlight them in a post or to mm -hmm. send them in my email newsletter, which reaches 20 some thousand people, but without expecting something in return. So mm -hmm. what I try have tried to and strive to do is to constantly look for ways I can add more value to somebody's life without, here's the caveat, without expecting anything to come back to. Mm -hmm. Now, does it usually come back? Probably. I'm going to say there's science that says it even does, but I didn't know that and I don't care because <laughs> the, the reward to me is the giving. Because when yeah. you have somebody reach out and say, you know, Corey, as an example, uh, this is a, something that somebody said years ago and it almost brought tears to my eyes. I spoke at this uh, event, I spoke at school, and she reached out to me on LinkedIn and said, Corey, I don't know if you know this, but I was in a class that you came in and spoke to. And you were the reason that I decided to continue on with school. I almost quit. I continued going. You gave me the kick in the butt I needed. And she said, now today I'm the manager of three car rental uh, locations. And she said, it wouldn't have happened if you wouldn't have came into my class and spoke. So to me, even if I didn't get paid to do that talk, mm -hmm. I don't remember. It was so long ago going to give to students like that but if one student had that experience and i didn't know and i never I may have never known it would have happened that is the reward regardless mm -hmm. of anything else that comes back so highlighting somebody and knowing they got highlighted and their message got it to more people or the work they're doing hasn't gone unnoticed that is the reward and so but the takeaway is go reread that spot and they can grow rich or if you haven't read it go find that spot and just really dive into that because there's a real big hidden secret there mm -hmm. that transforms anybody's lives. And that's basically if you give without expecting to receive, mm -hmm. it'll probably come back. And there's another great book called Jab, 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 Right Hook by Gary Vaynerchuk. Mm -hmm. And even if you're not a fan of the hustle, 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 like Gary talks about, uh, the message from that book, Jab, 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 Right Hook, is always go out and try to give, give, and give mm -hmm. before you ever ask. So he believes you yes. should give three times before you ever ask for anything in return. So mm -hmm. I just want to say that because, Chris, that has been a big part of my life. And I, I often gloss over it or forget to mention. Well, it, like you said, I, I am truly humbled by all the accomplishments that I've been able to accomplish through you and the Blue Talks books and through the Influencer Vault. Um, yeah, I know you wanted to get back to that. So yeah, <laughs> well, no, 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 no. It's just it, it's just it's it's you now offering a networking platform on top of everything else so that people can see opportunities and you throw out a monthly opportunity list and it's just for them to take the action. If you choose not to take the action, that's on you. But if you choose to take the action, it's amazing. You know, uh, when you say that, it's interesting. So the influencer vault for those that obviously you're hearing about it for the first time, is a monthly membership site that I originally designed for numerous reasons, but one was that I felt not everybody can afford our programs, not everybody can afford to come into the work we're doing. What if I could make another, what if I could put another option out there for somebody who's just starting their journey? Maybe they can afford the monthly payment, but they can't afford beyond that. What if we were to create something like that? So first of all, it was creating something else, another way to access what we're doing uh, for a lower investment. And at the same time, I didn't go and say, okay, but let's give them only the bare minimum. So I said, okay, let's have five things they receive. One of them is monthly training around, and we're just kicking that off for the new year, new year here shortly, but monthly training around things like how do you crush it on LinkedIn? How do you get media? All that kind of stuff. So one was monthly training. Another one was the vault itself. Like they have a website where you can go in and access this stuff. 
where it could be anything from how do you write a book successfully? How do you market yourself? How do you speak on stages? Uh, but the biggest ones, and this is where I say we didn't uh, save any, uh, for lack of a better word, on any cost in doing this, is I wanted to tap into my network and bring on people that you otherwise, and I see you and, and me as well, shouldn't be able to access mm -hmm. and ask questions to and have access to, especially at, at that low of a price point. And mm -hmm. so, I, in other words, I didn't go, okay, well, we're going to do the influencer vault, um, but I'm, I'm not going to bring in the big names because I'll save that for selling something else. No, right. I said, okay, let's bring them in. And so just as an example, put that in context, since we started it less than a year ago, it's about eight months old now, we brought in everybody from Mark Victor Hansen, who's the chicken soup for the soul co-creator, mm -hmm. to Les Brown, who's the legendary Les Brown, who everybody used, I think almost everybody knows who Les is, mm -hmm. uh, to JJ Virgin, who as uh, a multiple time New York Times bestselling author, uh, Jeff Walker, the launch king, and on and on. So these are people, even by the way, Chris, some of them, I, this is the first time I've had access to them is when we did this interview. Joe Vitale as well, who was in The Secret. You know, I, so I know him. I took some of his classes. And so, yeah, so I, Joe, I, I had an interview before. Know him. And Jeff Walker, I was trying for years to interview and mm -hmm. we finally did it inside the Influencer Vault. And so what I'm getting at is we're even taking the stuff that I would normally in the past have said, okay, well, this took me forever. I got to hold this close to my chest and we're giving that to people. And so it's weekly interviews that we do like that. And then the other side, and this is why I was bringing up all the things we do in this vault is the leads and opportunities list that you mentioned. Mm -hmm. So here's the interesting part, Chris, I put that in as a bonus. Like we're going to do the leads and opportunities just so not only are we teaching you how to take advantage of these opportunities with the monthly training, how do you act when you get on a stage? How do you get these stages? We're actually going to give you a list of them that you can apply for. Uh, right now it's over 150, but then on top of that, some of the opportunities are like 50 in one. So it's like 50 opportunities to do this. So technically it's probably like 500 if you applied for every one. And so every month it grows. And so that list was meant to be a bonus and it became the most popular aspect of the vault. The mm -hmm. influencer interviews is probably um, a strong second or a third most popular, but I thought that would be the most popular. And it's funny how clients tell you something different than you think. So that leads an opportunities list. I have people that say, Corey, I'd pay the monthly fee just for you to, me, to send me that list. Even, mm -hmm. if you don't, even if you don't do the rest of the vault, just send me yeah. that list every month. And so, yes, the idea behind it was let's create something where we can give you the stages, tell you about the stages so you know about them, uh, tell you how to apply for those stages. We can give you the support. We can bring in influencers so you can ask your own questions that you need to know about, uh, monthly training so you have that knowledge around how to maximize and make the most, uh, take the most advantage of this to become an mm -hmm. X-level influencer yourself. Really, it was the idea of how can we give you the resources for you to become an X-level influencer without the cost typically associated with it. So that's the influencer vault. You missed one thing. You missed the Zoom calls, the monthly Zoom calls that you do in the influencer so people can see you, hear you, and connect with you. Yeah. So this is very important. Yes. And it's a new thing too. So what um, what happened was I've been a part of a few virtual, same idea, uh, calls where you, know, you get the chance to break out in groups and meet new people and network. And I was getting a lot from that. Like there were groups that I, I was signed up for this thing called C-Suite, the C-Suite network to bring our podcast there and never, ever took advantage of the networking, which comes with it. I'm paying for it anyway. And I finally decided to go. And not that it's about uh, client work or anything like that, 
but you know, just to put a perspective, I went and gave and gave, I went to three meetings, but only three total and started giving and just trying to give forward. And people would say, oh, you need to talk like right on the call. They say, oh, Corey's the person you need to talk to for that thing you're looking for. Ultimately, uh, over those three calls, we ended up bringing in $10,000 in client business. And it wasn't intended. That wasn't why I went there. And that wasn't what I was. And I didn't even say you should work with me. People said, oh, you two are a great fit. You guys need to connect. Uh, But also those relationships, I mean, built like probably 30 relationships from three calls. And so I said, you know, with Blue Talks and with our Influencer Vault, the people in those groups are connected inside the group, but they don't know each other yet. They don't know what they look like and so on and so forth. So about three months ago, we decided maybe we need to go next level and say, let's get them on a call. Whoever wants to be on the call, get them on a call, let them network, what have you. And just like the leads and opportunities, I would argue it's probably going to become one of the most popular aspects of the vault, even though it was never intended to be a part of the vault. Uh, But now we've decided for the whole year, we just sent out the schedule uh, for the whole year, every month we're doing those. And in fact, we have one today for our Blue Tox community. Mm-hmm. So yes, Chris, that's another thing we do inside the vault is try to bring everybody together, network, get to know each other, and and just let them take the relationships from there and see where it goes. I, and that's what I love. But I, um, I also want to talk to you about your timeless secrets of influential leaders. Yeah, absolutely. You want you want to know what the secrets are? Or? Yeah, well, absolutely, absolutely. And finding one's way. Let's 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 just rip the bandit off and tell it all. Okay, absolutely. Well, um, I'll, I'll tell you the so the timeless secrets is based on me doing these interviews with thousands of thought leaders. It's basically what have I discovered? And when I say timeless secrets, I'm talking about the funda- fundamentals or the foundations that never change. So. Mm-hmm. You know, and again, I'll go back to and call to Think and Grow Rich. That book has 13 laws to success. These uh, Napoleon Hill found mm-hmm. these uh, laws out and these secrets or what have you out 1930 something because the book is written in 1937. And I can tell you, Chris, most of them are the ones I'm still finding out today, almost 100 years later. So to me, mm-hmm. that proves they're timeless secrets. So what I realized is when I'm interviewing these thought leaders, things are coming up over and over again. And so I said, why don't we start actually tracking with numbers, real research, what are the ones that are the most common? What are the traits they share or the secrets they share? And so I usually talk about either the top five or the top three. For the sake of time, uh, I'll give you the top three in reverse order. Uh, So (laughs) as far as what these thought leaders either have in common or this habits they practice or the traits, whatever term you want to put on it, uh, the third most popular is they all are lifelong learners. So Mm -hmm. what do I mean by that? It's that basically they realized even after school is done, you know, the mm-hmm. formal school thing is done, they still need to self-educate. Mm-hmm. And so that is why you see a Jack Canfield going to an event put on by Tony Robbins and Jack's out on the floor taking notes like a madman, even though he's 70 some years old and probably doesn't need those notes anymore mm-hmm. uh, because he's a lifelong learner. He can't help it. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing about this is this has been this, this is, I believe, been the same since the beginning of time. And if you want proof of that, Go back to the 1800s, where these thought leaders uh, didn't have, they basically didn't finish school, maybe grade three. Mm -hmm. Uh, They, you know, a lot of them didn't have, we'll call it book smarts. And yet they had personal libraries that were the size of their public library. Mm -hmm. So they were still feeding their mind. Uh, I remember, excuse me, my girlfriend and I went to Concord, Massachusetts where people like um, Henry David Thoreau and Ralph Waldo Emerson, they were all in this kind of commune of writers back in the, I think it was the late 1800s, early 1900s. And we went to Concord and Ralph Waldo Emerson's library in his home was bigger than the local public library. Wow. 
no coincidence. So the point is, uh, these thought leaders have realized the importance of constantly feeding your mind, even, you know, as much as feeding your body. Uh, so that's the number three most common. Uh, second is the power, I call it the power of no, which is that they know and understand that most of the top leaders say no a hundred times. I'm going to say that conservatively, a hundred times more than the average person. What do I mean by, and by the way, they're not always saying no themselves, but what I mean is if you wanted to reach out right now and pitch Tony Robbins something mm-hmm. and you don't know him, let's say, cause I, yeah, I can't say that cause there's somebody who could be on here that used to work with him, but let's say you don't know him and you mm-hmm. want to reach out to Tony to pitch him something. Is it safe to say out of a hundred people that do that, if they're lucky, one might get a yes. That would be safe. So and that's that, a maybe. That's a maybe. maybe. And that's yeah. a maybe. And that's my point. Is and I'm and of course I'm talking unless you have a six degree of separation or something. I'm talking from right, right, right. Starting from scratch. Mm-hmm. And so he what happened there is you never get to hear Tony say no. But Tony said no a hundred times, and it might not even be that he knows he's saying no. He's hired people he believes in to weed out the stuff that doesn't make it through. Uh, right. So some of them say it themselves, but more often than not, they ultimately end up the more successful. They have to hire somebody because a lot of these people want to say yes. They're yes people. Like they're like, I want to please everybody. I want to help. Mm-hmm. Like somebody like Jack Canfield probably wants to say yes to everything comes his way. But mm-hmm. he has to have people that say, well, Jack, you just can't take, you're 70 something. You can't take on all that stuff. Right. But I've noticed that the thought leaders that, uh, you know, the top people that are juggling the most, but also seem to be the most fulfilled. They have the most success, even by how we def- mostly define it by they're surrounded by people. They, that love them. They spend time with their family. I found that those people understand it's actually an okay thing to say no. It's actually for your sanity to say no. And so, again, the top leaders, a timeless secret they have is they know how to say no, they know when to say no, and they do it often. And even if that means they have to work that muscle like somebody like me, I still struggle (laughs) with this. Uh, Coming from a small town, I I was just taught growing up, say yes to everything and then figure out how to do it later. And I had to beat that out of myself almost because (laughs) discipline it out of myself. Uh, but that's the second most common trait is they say no more than everybody else. And then I'll tell you the first, and then of course, feel free to circle back on any of these. Uh, but the number one most common trait, this one's easy to explain. Uh, one of the things you'll notice about all three of these, the great part is it doesn't matter your background or how much money you have or where you come from. You can practice all three of these starting today. And so the number one most common trait is they're living on purpose. Mm-hmm. So they figured out what they were put here to do. And that's where they spend most of their time. And like I said, what I love about that is anybody can become a lifelong learner starting tomorrow. They can choose mm-hmm. to, is what I'm getting mm-hmm. at. Anybody can choose to say no more often. Might not be mm-hmm. easy, but they can choose to do it. And anybody can try to find their passion or their calling. So when people say to me, ask me what the traits are, I think some people get bothered that it's not something that you can just go spend 20 hours in the library to get or acquire. Mm-hmm. Or, you can, or done you can for you, or done for you. There's done a lot of people that mindset, done for me. And there's certain things and all three of those are internal things you have to do for yourself. hundred percent. So there, there you go. So, uh, and like you said, the only one, the only exception to that is somebody saying no for you, but you still have to help them always Mm -hmm. continually figure out what a no is. So you still have to, and you have to have that ability to not get mad at them because they said no, when you really would want to say yes. So it's still all internal things. I agree. And so those are the top three secrets I've discovered after thousands of interviews. So really, you know, that's more research than the Nielsen group does, I think, for TVs to decide how many people watch TV. So it's pretty sound research. I, I love the fact that you do the research to back up what you do and how you do your next steps, because then you you it's like split testing and marketing. 
when you do the split test, you find out what really works and you break it down. But a lot of people don't want to do that time. They don't want to put in that work. But that's the difference between half-ass and successful. 100%. Yeah, I, I agree totally. And and yeah, it, it does. It takes work. All, all mm-hmm. this stuff takes work. Uh, I, you know, we always hear the thing, work smarter, not harder. And I agree with that, by the way. You know, that could be as simple as if somebody else has already fallen down the manholes, why would you want to fall down the same ones? Right. You know, right. like I told you, that, even just me doing that research, I wanted to know what the high achievers did so I could start doing that. And it's mm-hmm. a shortcut, really, if you learn that. So there are shortcuts to the work. But I have yet to see anybody that started from nothing. Because, mm-hmm. you know, again, we can take little caveats like if somebody, uh, their family maybe already had the contacts for them or maybe they started out with money so they could buy the things. Like, mm-hmm. you know, maybe like for me, I've interviewed a lot of thought leaders, as you know. Well, if I would have started with money that was given to me, I could have said, hey, I want to have you on my show. I'll pay you $2,000. Well, I could have interviewed anybody almost. Anybody's right. willing to do it for $2,000 for a half hour interview. But I'm talking from scratch. Uh, it does take work. I haven't come across anybody yet that hasn't put in work. But it's, but it, it's, I think what it really comes down to when people say, you know, you don't have to do any work, it depends how you define work. You know, so <laughs> David Foster, I remember this uh, interview, uh, Darren Hardy, who was the publisher of Success Magazine, interviewed Dar- David Foster. And David, he was asking him about, you know, passions and all this stuff. And David said somehow in the interview, you know, I'm gonna, I wonder if I'm ever going to get to be the person that just gets to lay on the beach, like every, you know, like to have just that downtime or whatever that looks like, uh, have that life, we'll say. And Darren said, let me ask you a question. Would you rather be on the beach or recording an album with Celine Dion? And he said, recording an album. And he said, so that is your beach. Yes. And yes. the message there is he's never really working. So, yes, mm-hmm. he's putting in the time. Mm-hmm. Yes, he's putting in the effort. But he's not really what we consider working. And so I think that's just as a distinction. I do believe it doesn't have to be hard work in that way. But I do believe everything that ultimately leads to success, there's work involved somehow. Could you could you say that if you're doing your passion and your purpose, it's not really work and you don't feel the the weight of it? It's your heart's desire to do it. So that's why you do it. I mean, Corey, look at all the things you're doing and you're advancing and advancing and growing and expanding. Do you feel overwhelmed? No, I don't feel overwhelmed. In fact, uh, I work a lot less than people would think because I have a young family. And so I, uh, part of it's choice, part of it's my girlfriend is like, you know, I get, I make enough sacrifices for you. You need to pitch in here. So I don't work as many hours as people would think. I do a lot in those amount of hours. But the truth is if I had more time, during those hours or even like an extra hour a day, I would still keep doing what I'm doing. I would add more to it. So no, I don't feel like it's overwhelming. I mean, there's always a lot on the go. And so I don't think everybody would like my lifestyle and I'm doing it in such a condensed amount of time. So it even seems like more, but I love doing it and I wouldn't change it. So to your point, it doesn't feel like work and it hasn't for years. Mm -hmm. And I'll never forget this um, guy I interviewed. His name is John Dunsworth. How a lot of people would know him as he was, known as Mr. Leahy on the Trailer Park Boys TV show. And John was 65, still acting. And I remember he talked about, he was on the TV set uh, for the show called Haven at the time. He had all these young actors that were like 16 and they were sitting there yawning and drool coming down of one of them, space, he said. <laughs> and it was because they had like a 16 hour work day on, on, in the acting. And he's like, all right, guys, what do we want to do next or whatever? And they're like, 
what are you on, old man? How do you have this much energy? And, and then he gave them what I, I, I jokingly called a trailer park boys lesson since then. But what he said is, kids, you know, I, this is my love for 40 some years. So mm-hmm. I'm never really working. And he said, if I'm never really working, why would I be tired at the end of the day? Exactly. Work makes you tired. But doing what you love doesn't make you tired. And I never forgot that image of the 65-year-old who has already had more energy after 16 hours than the 16-year-olds. And it's only because the 16-year-olds haven't really found their purpose or what have you yet. But really, that's you could mirror that with two people sitting across the table, one that loves what they do and one that dreads it. Mm-hmm. The dread one would always be more tired at the end of the day, in my experience. So uh, that's why I don't think it feels like work is because you're usually not tired after doing it. If you had one tip for my audience and they that could be impactful in their life, no matter what they're doing, no matter what their passion or purpose is, what would that be, Corey? So I have to go back to what I said about the number one trait. And so I I would have to say, and and you added a a caveat there that it makes me, I have to also add a caveat that if they haven't already found their purpose yet, so this is the first thing I would say, because I'll give a second one if they have, but if they already haven't found their purpose yet, I would say that's where they need to go. And, you know, we, I have a book called The Book of Why and How. And in that book, I give exercises for how to do that. And so there are real exercises. Now, the exercises are more aligned around how to find a passion, because I believe the passion is the gateway to purpose. So I think mm-hmm. for me, and I say it in the book, passion is what you do, purpose is why you're actually doing it. Mm-hmm. And so I found that for most people, it's they need a tangible. And the tangible is, okay, I love photography. And then they start doing it more. And all of a sudden, the purpose comes out of it. Like for me, it was stand-up comedy. And that's how I started. And then I evolved into speaking. And ultimately, I realized it wasn't the speaking. Like speaking, I still have a love for it, but it was just the deliverable. But why I was speaking, I can still do it now and not have to travel or even want to travel during COVID and still get the same things. And so I would say, first of all, find your purpose and just know there are strategies for doing so. Um, and in fact, if I'm okay to, I can give a new website we just set up. I just remembered this. We just set it Please up. Do. like. It's still actually literally just new. Like it's so new. I think we're fixing two tweaks on it right now. Uh, but it's a website uh, called thepassioncure.com backslash Corey. And so if you go there, you'll get a free gift. And what it is, is it's a um, strategy for finding your purpose and an exercise for how to uh, determine who you're surrounding yourself with. Uh, free exercise. You just go there and grab that. So there are ways you can find your purpose. So I would say find your purpose if you haven't already, and it'll it'll almost fix everything else you're trying to fix. Uh, the second thing I would say is that if you're working and you're wanting to go in the direction of maybe being self-employed or whatever that looks like, don't do what I did and so many other entrepreneurs do. Uh, don't jump in before you have a cash reserve or something to back it up. I, you know, I took bookings and gigs that I today wouldn't take because I started it with such low cash flow. It was just like, got to get by, got to get by. And mm-hmm. it took a year to kind of fix that. Uh, you know, that's 20 years ago. But mm-hmm. I do feel too many entrepreneurs just go, I can make a go of this. And then they throw in the towel on the job. They quit one day, throw in the towel. They have a week and a half's notice and they don't have money put aside. And all of a sudden now they're running a business. And then three months later saying business sucks and I'm going to lose my house. And I just don't want to see that happen to people. So I would say, do your do what you can. Uh, to make sure that you have some security before you go into business for yourself if you haven't already. I love that because I was working full time when I first started in the Blue Talks and I couldn't be a part of all the benefits that ha- that was a part of it. 
But then when I retired in May of 2021, I'm like, woohoo, watch out. Here I come. Here I come. And that's like, Corey, I'm retired. Corey, I'm retired. Corey, I'm retired. So the fact is, is I absolutely agree with that. But I also made sure that it was my passion that I did it while I was working because it fulfilled me. I love that. And then you also knew it was the direction you wanted to go before mm-hmm. you had thrown in the towel in your job. You also knew that you could do it. Uh, you know, I, I call it a side hustle, but I mean, when I was it performing stand up, it was. Yeah. And I knew it was for you. And, and the cool thing is I don't say stop because like stop until you're done. Because the other thing is you got to be a best-selling author before you had to jump in the, the ocean. And so I think it makes sense to do that. And so for me, what that looked like is I started performing stand-up while I was still working in the corporate world and that evolved into my speaking career. But mm-hmm. I worked in the speaking business for like two years before I actually went full time. Mm-hmm. And what that did is it got me enough that I wasn't like starving when I quit. But I still didn't plan enough ahead and put money away. In fact, I had worked a contract job for a year. It was the highest paying job that I had had in my life to that point. And I actually didn't put money away, which is like blows my mind. I had more <laughs> money than I usually had. And I didn't put enough away. Like I maybe had a reserve of a month. And then I mm-hmm. had some gigs, like I said, because I've been doing it on the side. But I thought as soon as I said I'm full time and announced it, that everything else was just going to come and it took a while. So yeah. I, like I said, that's just, I wish somebody would have pushed me on that, have a backup plan, have a contingency plan. Like my grandfather said, I know you can be a rock star, but you may want to also keep working <laughs> until you are. Corey, thank you. Thank you. Hold on one second. It takes a special kind of individual to dream their thoughts and ideas and turn them into their reality. Corey Poirier has stepped past his fears, stayed the course and had the courage to do the follow through to the end. Corey Poirier, you've championed yourself. Now we know who you've become. Thank you for sharing your ideas, your thoughts and your dreams with us today.